0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at
1: audiodharma.org. So, good evening. Good evening. Uh, When I was here a few weeks ago, I I said I was going to talk about diversity. And uh, it was my intention to talk about diversity. And along the way today, when I was putting things together, It morphed. (laughs) It morphed into a talk about empathy. And so um, it's still a bit about diversity. But it also is about that quality of consciousness that sees and feels and incorporates the other. It's the experiences of other as not separate from self. Now, I could just say that and we could all go home. But the truth is, I think there's something to consider about how do we see what or who is other? What does that mean? And, and why is that important? How is other distinguishable from self? What creates those separate things between us? Aren't we all impermanent beings? Yes. And yet there are all of these ways in which we say, I'm over here and you're over there. And the degree to which we make that separation between each other, between members of our family, between members of our community and the world, the more hate is generated in the world. So I'm not going to implore everybody to give up hate. I'm not going to ask you to be any different than you are, actually. But I think it's important to know how you are and how you have arrived at this place in this moment and how that shows up in our lives. What does that mean? There are all kinds of differences between people. There are ethnic differences, sexual differences, gender differences, racial differences, political differences, financial status differences, educational differences. And all of these have been in the news lately. All of them bring, there are all kinds of crises every day. I mean, every day something else comes up, and you say, Oh, how can we see ourselves as so different from one another? What is happening? Look around the room. See who's here. Just look. We have males and females. We have different colors. We have different ethnicities. We're wearing different clothes. We're sitting different ways. And these are just some of the visual things. An infinite number of things that aren't visual, that make us different from one another. And yet, we are all humans. We are all here on a Thursday night, meditating together. we share an interest in meditation perhaps in the buddha's teachings we share an interest in the buddha's teachings i remember <clears throat> i remember going to thursday night sittings in palo alto before we had this center and i would come in on thursday nights after a full day of work and a commute over to the East Bay and back and all the traffic, and I would come rushing in for my 7 o'clock and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be so wonderful. I was looking forward to that stillness and that great, beautiful, calming voice that Gil always has. And then, and then he would do a guided meditation. And i I didn't want a guided meditation. I wanted stillness. Ah! How can he be doing that? Or he might decide instead of giving a nice calming Dharma talk, he wants to ask questions. What do you mean you want to ask questions? I need to just be fed this. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want somebody to say, do this, think about this. Maybe you were hoping for something different tonight. And yet this is how it is. This is how it is. But if you did want something else tonight, I don't blame you. But I'll ask you this. Think about what makes you comfortable. In any given moment, what makes you feel comfortable? There are so many ways of seeing that are conscious and ways that are unconscious. There's the direction that we look. What are we looking for? What are we looking at? How are we looking? Are we looking easily? Are we anxiously looking towards something? What is the object of our mindfulness? Because we can't be mindful of everything. We can't see everything. We choose. And we choose something that is, has some piece of comfort for it. Maybe the comfort is tied to the intention of challenging ourselves. Nevertheless, there is some place where we have an expectation. And that's what makes us feel comfortable in this moment. Expectations are very closely tied to our experience. My expectation is X, and therefore, I'm more likely to see X than Y. So then what happens when our expectations aren't met? So when I would come, hoping to have a nice, still meditation, and Gil would do a guided meditation, I would find myself sitting there... maybe not quite getting as still as I might because I wanted something else. I wanted something else. There's disappointment. There's confusion. There's anger. There's fear. There's disappointment in ourselves. I should be better than this. And from these missed expectations, what arises? Suspicion, hostility, anger, aversion. Aversion of the heart. Sometimes it's aversion of the face. I'm not going to look at you. Sometimes it's aversion of attention. We want to run away. The consequences of how we meet discomfort. How do we meet discomfort? What are our responses to discomfort? Usually, we decide something is wrong. With me or with you? Something is wrong and needs fixing. A sense of other. Arises in the midst of things being not what I expect them to be, not what I want them to be. It's got to be someone's fault. There's got to be a cause for this discomfort. It's very difficult to just feel discomfort. Oh, I'm unsettled. This is what kept happening to me was I, when I was trying to, to put together uh, what I wanted to say tonight. Is I kept becoming aware of how uncomfortable everything was. I just wasn't comfortable. Looking around the room, I can say that I'm more or less comfortable with each of you, with all of you together, pretty, pretty comfortable. It's not foreign being here. It's a known space. There is some safety in sameness. Why? Because we make all kinds of assumptions about what it means. We see the things about us that are the same, and it makes us feel safe. Because we say, oh, they're like me. They're like me. We have assumptions about ethics and motives for other people in the room. I don't expect anybody in this room to become suddenly hostile and run out screaming. Now, I have to tell you, I've experienced people becoming suddenly hostile in here and leaving, but not screaming. It feels kind of safe for that reason. We grant leeway to the people that we see are the same as us. We give them a pass. Oh, I think you're going to be okay. I know what you're like. There's a kind of friendliness. Basically, even though very often we don't talk to one another in a meditation city there's a certain amount of friendliness you know typically we're just not afraid of anybody here we have the idea that we're all pretty similar and i'm not going to argue that we're not But if we met one another in another context, we might come to an entirely different assessment. What would we be like? What would our interactions be like if we could promote a sense of safety, a grant of goodwill more broadly in our lives? What would that be like? How comfortable would that be? What a surprise that would be. What's the connection between the need for safety found in our tribe and our search for differences that tend to pull us apart? Now, sometimes we feel a need to differentiate ourselves from the pack. But basically, safety doesn't typically come from Differentiating ourselves from the pack. We're generally kind of safe in our tribe. I feel pretty safe in our tribe. How large is your tribe? Your personal tribe, how large is it? Does it seem to contract or expand? Are you comfortable with the people you work with? Pretty well know what they're like. When I was uh, a young scientist, I worked for a man uh, with a different ethnicity than mine. And he told me, he was my boss, and he said, Women do not belong in the lab. They belong at home, raising families. I could see he and I were going to have trouble. He's not the person who hired me, but he was the person I reported to. I also interviewed for a job once with a woman who said she wouldn't hire me because she didn't like my birth control method. This is inconceivable in the U.S. today, but it was not when I got out of college. It was actually quite common. I was not comfortable in either of those situations. I endured and did not endure, that is, I left, sexual harassment. Now, for me, these experiences were seminal But, you know, I actually come from a background where I had a lot of personal confidence. They weren't devastating for me. I was able to choose, I'm going to do something different. What I'm saying is that I acknowledge I actually had privilege in these conditions. I was educated. I was white. I knew I had opinions about my role in the world. I became radicalized at the age of 12 when my older brother told me that washing dishes was was women's work. There was no turning back for me. We have all kinds of conscious and unconscious biases that we have incorporated into Our interactions with ourselves and those people around us, it becomes very important to see, acknowledge, and understand how those biases show up every day and go into what we constitute a tribe what we constitute as other versus us. When we feel ourselves outside the tribe, we also have responses. These responses are running away, becoming invisible. I became very good at becoming invisible. I became very good at standing up, holding my space, And sometimes I ran away. Just ran away. It's important to know who am I and how did I come to this space. Pay attention to what are my triggers. How am I feeling in this situation? What happens when I find myself the only woman in a room of men. What happens? What kind of responses am I having? What's the emotional response I have? So I want to start with something. We're going to do a guided meditation. Sorry. (laughs) For those of you who were hoping we would never do that. So I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. Just make yourself comfortable. This is not too formal here. We're just going to, just close your eyes. And I want you to think about how you are right now. How are you right now? you feeling settled? Unsettled, restless, calm, anxious, Worried. Take a moment to give yourself permission to feel just the way you feel. Just feel the way you feel. Whatever that is. Is this okay? Is this okay with you to just feel the way you are? Maybe check those shoulders and see if they will go down just a micro-inch, just, just a little. Does it feel safe to be this way? Put your intention right in the middle of your chest, somewhere where there's a spot that feels vulnerable, just a little vulnerable. That place that's most gentle. And rest there, in that soft place. No need to be other, no we, way, need to be any way at all, no judgments, Just rest there. Wish yourself well. May I be safe. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. without thinking about it, without looking, wish someone else in the room well. Wish them well. May you be safe. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we all know peace and safety. Open your eyes. And when you feel ready, look around the room. See these people here who, just like you, have wished each other well, these people, some of whom you've never seen before, never met. See these people who have just wished you well. <laughs> Interesting. Allow yourself to feel whatever you feel. Whatever you feel. That's okay. That's, that's how it is. Some of you may feel that was dumb. Some of you may feel a kinship that you didn't feel before. This exercise isn't about being a certain way. It's about the idea of empathy. How do you feel for yourself? How do you feel for the person next to you? How do you get a handle on what the other person is feeling? What are the clues And how do you become better at knowing that? One of my favorite ideas is the empathetic heart. The heart that is open to being with someone else's feelings open to being with someone else's feelings. Not so focused on what my feelings are but what your feelings are. What are you feeling? Oh that's what you're feeling. It's not a merging of us and making us all the same feeling all the same. It's really about just knowing here I am and here you are Oh, this is how you're feeling. Oh, how are you feeling? A curiosity about how are you feeling? What would I do differently if I knew what you were really feeling? How would I be if I knew what you are really feeling? There is... um, professor emeritus from UCSF who uh, by the name of uh, uh, Paul Ekman, who is an expert on the subject of empathy. And he's written lots of books and papers on how people interpret what they see in other people's faces or body language. And how do they incorporate this? And he says there are three kinds of empathy. So the first one is cognitive empathy. Cognitive empathy is what you gain from somebody by just knowing what the other person is, thinking or feeling. Interpreting something that they've said or the way they are, and you can tell, ah, I can see. You're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling angry, you're feeling anxious, where you, you figure out what they're thinking, what they're feeling. This is a perspective-taking Exercise It's very good uh, it 's a very quali- good quality to have if you are negotiating with someone or trying to motivate someone you know? if if you want to inspire someone then it 's useful to know what inspires them <laughs> it 's useful if you 're in a negotiation with someone to know what do they want how are they receiving this okay? so this is just the basic What's the other person feeling? That's, that's cognitive empathy. There are uh, some uh, downsides to cognitive empathy. It gives you the ability to manipulate someone. If you, okay, I know what you're thinking. I can use that information. Mm-hmm. People who are manipulative become very good at this, where they'll, they'll realize, for example... Those people are really angry. If I want them on my team in my tribe, I'm going to play on that anger and I'm going to tell them I'm just as angry as they are and we are going to do something about it. This is a technique politicians use, dictators use. Lots of people use this technique. It can be inspiring to good or bad states of mind. It's the ability to see what people, how to to see what people are doing and thinking. It's essential to being able to form groups of people and understand how to be with people in a way that is us and not me and them. The second kind of empathy is emotional empathy. Emotional empathy is a descriptor that has to do with if you are anxious, I am anxious. Taking on your feelings as my feelings. Now, uh, so there there becomes a, uh, around people who are uh, first responders, nurses, uh, EMT, techs, where they, beca- they have to keep a, a professional distance that they can't, when they're Dealing with people in crisis, they don't themselves become people with cri- in crisis. It becomes really important to be able to, to show that, to have that distance. Sometimes it's better when you are experiencing emotional empathy that what this person needs is to just sit and cry with them. To be with them. But it is adopting the emotions of the other person. And it has good and bad things about it, just as everything does. The other side of emotional empathy is sometimes when things are overwhelming. So if you're watching uh, all the hurricane news and you watch the island of Beruda yesterday was leveled, and you imagine what are what's happening with these people that were on this island, if the if the island is leveled, what has happened to these people? And you become very involved in that from an emotional point of view. And then you say, I can't take anymore. And you, you, you bury yourself. You, you blockade yourself off. And you just stop feeling. So this is the danger with emotional empathy. That if you become too good at it, too facile at emotional empathy that you yourself become wiped out and then you make yourself stop feeling in order not to be overwhelmed. So one of the things that becomes clear in the way we talk about empathy is that empathy is a double-edged sword. Empathy is both a vulnerability and an opening. And so it behooves us both to be good at it And to be wise with it. And to be able to tell the difference. To make distinguishing decisions. The third type of empathy is compassionate empathy. This is the empathy that sees this is how you are. And this is how I need to respond to you. In a way that if if I see that you have need, it's a kind of spontaneous response, I'm going to do something about this. Okay, so this is a compassionate empathy. So in seeing how you feel, I feel a need to respond to you. Compassionate empathy would seem to be a quality of empathy that allows us to be closer together, and less likely to form the we-they division that might occur in the other forms of empathy. Because we're saying, I'm feeling with you, and I'm in this with you. I'm in this with you. So what does empathy do? It decreases the difference, the distance between us. Decreases the distance between us. Allows us to see people without all the barriers that we have between us. Allows us to see more of what we have in common and less all the things that we do not have in common. It reduces prejudice and racism. It deepens intimacy. Just this conversation in this room with these people in this room makes me feel friendlier toward each of you. And I came in inclined to be that way. And I feel differently. I feel more like my willingness to be vulnerable enough to talk about this makes me feel safer with you. I hope that makes some sense. So how do we, how do, we do this? How do we make this work for us? How do we develop empathy? Should we develop empathy? Empathy. How do we remain safe? So I have some suggestions. Notice when you are comfortable and when you are uncomfortable in a group. Notice it and notice where you can feel it in your body because if it is an experience, you can feel it in your body. What do you feel? I used to have this... uh, I've done a lot of work uh, on my heart in an effort to be open-hearted. And when I began that work, I had this image that I had a brick wall in front of my heart. And it took me a long time to get rid of that image. Because I did not get rid of that image by beating on it and trying to throw it away. Or trying to break it up. It had to dissolve, and it dissolved by practicing with when there was openness and when, when there was not openness, by noticing when is there open, when, am I, when do I feel safe, how do I know I'm safe, what am I feeling, when am I don't, not feeling safe, what does that feel like, where in my body do I recognize I don't feel safe. Is it in a tight stomach? Is it in a clenched jaw? Is it in the shoulders up around the elbows, up around the ears? Is it fear or embarrassment or something else when I'm uncomfortable? Is it loneliness? What is it? Reflect on why am I uncomfortable? Do I feel outnumbered? Am I feeling unsure of myself? Are the conditions suspicious? Oh, they're like me! Yay, they're like me! Notice what you're feeling. Recognize what that feeling is like in your body. That tendency to see and to recognize This is how I'm feeling increases our sensitivity. Allows us to become more sensitive instruments of how are you feeling? What are you feeling? What are you feeling? If I never notice how I am in a group, I may not notice how you are either. (laughs) In fact, it's pretty unlikely. See the conflict between yourself and that misguided other. Feel the pull. This morning, I was talking to someone who said something that didn't make any sense to me. And so I said, that didn't make any sense. Are you talking about this or this? And then they repeated it. And I said, no, no, no. I need to know, are you thinking about this or this? And then they yelled at me. We were missing entirely, just missing. So I noticed how how unsettled I felt when I got yelled at. And and it made me say, stop trying to understand what they said and figure out what are they thinking that they've just yelled at me. (laughs) What's going on with them? What's going on? Oh, that's what's going on. They thought I wasn't listening to them at all. I get it. Oh. Feel the pull when you're trying to pull yourself out of your own story to figure out what's going on with them. Feel how hard it is to disengage from your own story. There's, there's a pull that you can feel. Oh, oh. Notice it. Just notice it doesn't have to be different. Of course you're engaged in your own story. (laughs) And how does it feel to disengage from your own story and see what's going on with that person? How does it feel? What do you notice? So one of the experiences I had in my life was the the exquisite grace of uh, volunteering for Zen Hospice Project at Laguna Honda Hospice in San Francisco. Laguna Honda is a skilled nursing facility, and they had a hospice residential hospice unit where I volunteered. And um, when I f- first went to work there, I was uh, frightened because I knew that some of the a lot of the people who were going to be there were not people that I would ordinarily run into. A lot of them came off the street. They were ex-cons, drug addicts, schizophrenics. They had issues. What I discovered when I actually volunteered there was that was both true and false. I met lonely Vietnamese grandmothers who were dying and had no family. I met opera buffs. (laughs) The most important thing about this beautiful woman was how much she loved opera. Nothing about her that was negative even showed up. She was so beautiful. I learned to be courageous I learned to go up and say hello to someone I didn't feel comfortable with. (laughs) Lo and behold, they were just people. (laughs) Not only were they just people, they weren't just people. They were unique people. And they were interesting. And they had great virtues. And I was so lucky to meet them. There was a paranoid schizophrenic that I got to know really well who taught me a whole lot about what I thought reality was. She was amazing. I call it a blessing because I don't know where else I would have met these people, to be exposed to these people, to learn about these people. I don't know how I would have done that. Because I travel in, you know, the normal, comfortable circles. One of my favorite stories is about a woman who uh, had gone into the emergency room at San Francisco General one night. And she was, the next morning after tests, she went in because she was in pain. She'd been living on the street. And the next morning, they told her that she had uh, terminal uh, cervical cancer. She was in huge, huge pain. And they sent her over to the hospice. Now, she was actually fortunate that there was a bed open in the hospice that she could go to. But she didn't actually see it that way. And when she arrived, she was screaming and swinging her arms. And anybody that would walk up, there was in danger of getting slammed and... And all of the nurse's assistants were walking away from her and saying, this is a, this is a violent woman. I'm, yeah, I don't need to be around violent women. And I was watching all of this, and I was thinking, oh, my God, they're about to put on her chart that she's violent. You know, so the next thing is how-doll, right? So uh, I watched this for a while, and then I went over and sat down next to her bed, and as softly as I could, I said you know, you're safe here. And she had her arm over her, her elbow over her eyes, and she peeked out from under her elbow, and she said, I'm safe here? And the only thing going through my mind, the only thing going through my mind at that moment was, I am so sorry, my face is white. How could she believe me How could she believe me? But she did. She did. She believed me. She just said, I'm safe here? Okay. And then they came in and did their ministering. And I hung around. You know, I didn't stay there. I didn't crowd her. I was so sensitive. I didn't know what this woman expected or wanted. I just knew she was afraid. I'd be afraid to. And she died the next day. And she will stick in my mind forever. Because what she taught me was just to watch and see what's really happening and see her Through that, just see. Don't assume. Don't be so sure. Leave some space for what's true to emerge. So I encourage you to practice vulnerability, smile at a stranger, see what happens. Notice what happens for you. Notice what happens for them. Make eye contact. Go ahead and try it. See what happens. There was a a homeless guy that used to sleep in his truck outside my house when I lived in Berkeley. He was there every night. I thought, you know, I actually kind of like having him there. Thought it was kind of a good thing. And so I decided one day to just look at him, actually look him in the eye. And he was terrified because he was sure that I had figured out he was sleeping in his truck and that I was going to turn him into the police. I just smiled and went on. Well, that didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, It didn't hurt. Conversely, There was a woman that I noticed one night. I was walking my dog, and uh, we were around a a building, and this woman was behaving in a very strange way. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. You know, if that were a man, I would be hightailing it out of here. And I was saying, you know, that was really pretty. It's showing an obvious bias here. Five minutes later, she attacked me. There was a bias. There was a bias toward the fact that she was female, and I ignored the fact that I was getting, this is weird behavior. This is what we learn when we pay attention to what happens, what's going on with us when we're uncomfortable. Not all uncomfortable things should be ignored. (laughs) In fact, don't ignore any of them. Just notice what's coming up. Notice what's happening. Be very mindful. Why do I feel safe? Why do I feel unsafe? What's happening? Find that space of awareness where I can see what's coming. Notice the agitation and then see what happens. See what happens. Don't be afraid of synthesizing yourself. Sensitizing yourself. It's okay to be sensitive. You don't shut your brain down just because you're sensitive to other people. You don't have to send it home. Keep it right there with you. And don't be afraid to be sensitive to other people. It's amazing what happens. Amazing. The people that we meet, you see that all your thoughts and feelings and opinions are impermanent. They arise and they pass away. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your precious moments not inhabiting your moments. Notice it. Pay attention to it and practice kindness and start small. Notice, gee, that's a nice, that's really nice boss. Looks great on you. You look really comfortable. Does that hurt? No, it doesn't hurt. Say what's true, say what's true, but don't be afraid of touching the other person. I don't mean literally physically touching them, but seeing them, seeing them. Start with you. We probably are not going to make a different world, not in my lifetime. But we can have a world where there are fewer others and more of us. We can do that. We can make a difference. We can hold peace in our own hearts. We can hold peace in our own hearts and try very hard, very hard, not to hurt the other people in our lives. Thank you. Comments? Yes. Please use the mic.
0: You were perfect for me tonight. You were absolutely what I needed. Thank because you. my heart, my soul, my wisdom. I was meditating all day long to give me guidance, to simply give me guidance. And he led me here. And you were perfect for me. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Everything you said just really resonated with me, my heart, my soul. I am so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for coming here tonight. Thank you for being here with us. Really, thank you. Yes, there's another one over here. Can you grab them up?
0: <clears throat> I also want to mention that I really appreciate the talk today. Um, and um, it was uh, really good to understand that different kinds of uh, empathy, and it gave me a really clear idea of uh, what I lack versus what I have, and like really having this uh, notion of how different empathy can play a role, negative and positive role. So I really appreciate it too. I actually want to ask you a question about, I remember that you mentioned the Vice video two weeks ago or three weeks ago when you were having the talk. And I went back to actually go to YouTube to actually (laughs) review that. And uh, it was uh, as you mentioned, it was uh, kind of difficult to watch. Uh, And I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks that... uh, how I take that, and what is the actual more detailed steps to have an empathy for, like um, the the when we watch the video and yes, is it enough to have a compassionate empathy, and how do I cultivate this compassionate empathy toward um, like um, um like what we see on on TV yes. and the video and. I'm trying, but maybe you could help me get there
1: (laughs) a little better. (laughs) I remember when I talked about that video, and I'm not sure why I remember this, because I very often don't remember what I've said. But the reason I remember it, I'm sure, is because it's something I'm working on. What I said when I mentioned the video is, I, I referred to that video and then a second video Uh, which had been posted to this man's Facebook page. And my comment at that time was that he was much more vulnerable in that second video and that I wondered what pain was in his life that made him this way. And I'm sure the reason I remembered it is because that was my attempt at understanding how can I be, how can I hold... Compassion and a lack of ill will toward the behavior that this person exhibited. And in seeing that he also was in pain, I could say, ah, I wonder what is the source of his pain. I very often do that when I see behavior that that I truly don't understand and cannot condone. I remind myself that it is a behavior and that I don't know this person. I remind myself that there are things I say or do that other people interpret in ways that are not my intention at all, either through my own unskillfulness or what they choose to see, And that I need to extend that same tolerance to others that I don't actually know. I don't know what's happening with them. I don't deny the, the aversion that I have also. So there, there's a need for compassionate empathy with myself, which is um, uh, a refusal to condemn myself for having a feeling of that is inappropriate. That I don't condone. That I do not allow. I I don't condone. Okay? So we need to leave. Thank you all. May you all be happy. And may you see new people Maybe people you didn't see before. Thank you.